0: Hello and welcome to gravitas wins Conversations. Politics touches every aspect of our lives. Curriculum we study, roads we drive, businesses we set up, interest rates we get, and nowadays even the dresses we can wear and uh, food we can eat. But most of us keep away from politics giving one excuse or the other. And then we lament the state of the country. That's why I'm excited to discuss with the first-generation politician, Dr. Sarika Verma, about this particular topic. She's a practicing doctor and a spokesperson for AAP in Haryana. I want to make one thing very clear. Even though my guest is from a particular political party, we are not discussing a particular ideology. We talk about politics in general and what we, as common people, can do to participate and improve politics in our country. Hope you enjoy our conversation. Hello, Dr. Sarika. Welcome to Gravitas Wins Conversation. Thank
1: you, Joseph. Thank you very much for having me here.
0: Uh, Dr. Sarika, let's start with this. How did you get interested in politics? How did you get started in politics?
1: So, for a long, long time, I was studying. For 16 years after school, I was studying. One gra- uh, graduation, post graduation, super specialization, senior residency. So, it was a very long journey. And for that time, the only thing I did was study and attend to my uh, domestic responsibilities. But uh, once the practice started and it picked up, you reach a certain level in society when you want to give back to society. And at mm. that time, I watched with uh, a very neutral interest because at that time, I was not interested in ARP at all. And I was watching this whole phenomenon take place over the uh, Anna movement and uh, all the things that were happening. But I was quite distant from it. I had, not, uh, I had no intention of joining it but uh, one thing led to another i had a chance uh, meeting a friend of mine took me for a meeting with yoginda yadav i heard what the the dream that they had for india and uh, one st- uh, sentence that touched my heart was kisan ka doctor ka beta doctor nahi banega kisan ka beta bhi doctor ban hai you know we, we are going to transform the education of the country to such a level that even the poor and the uneducated can access good uh, education and become a doctor. So that was the thing that made me think that, yeah, maybe I can join this party and I paid 10 rupees and I took my membership and uh, then, you know, it's been 10 years after that.
0: No looking back. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ma'am, being a politician, at least the way we look at it, is a full-time job. Yes. You are, you are a practicing doctor you have kids, so you have your domestic response. So, how do you balance out all of these yeah,
1: things? Yeah, so I mean, it's definitely not easy and uh, I don't have just one practice. I do my surgeries in a corporate hospital here in Gurgaon. I run an OPD morning and evening. I also have uh, 11 other centers, total of 12 centers eh, of allergy doc in Delhi, Bombay, Gurgaon, Chandigarh and Udepur where I visit personally. So, eh, I already have a very, very hective, uh, hectic uh, professional life. And uh, my plate is full. Plus, I have two kids, my daughters, they're taking their exams now. And uh, I have all the domestic responsibilities. Other than that, I am uh, very actively involved with the Indian Medical Association. I'm the chairperson for the Women Doctors' Wing. I'm the ENT Association President in Gurgaon. So, yeah, I have my hands full. But politics is something that I have realized that, you know, if you want to do public service, you can either do it as a doctor, like I do in my clinic. So that is at your personal level, what you can do for society. And then there is something like you can do work as an NGO and maybe help about a small section of people. But I realize if you want to help the uh, crores of people, then you have to change the politics. And uh, mm. like uh, Arvindji says, you have to be a part of the system to change the system, you know. But uh, when you decide that you want to change something and you start dreaming a bigger mm. dream and that dream involves transforming the lives of multiple, you know, thousands and crores of people, then you realize that politics is the only way to do
0: it. I I understand politics is the way to touch millions of people. And also, as you rightly said, you have to be part of the system to transform that particular system. Otherwise, you can always stand outside the system and complain as much as you want, but nothing is going to change, right? Like, like, as you rightly said, you are an upper middle class and you are already busy with a lot of your corporate work and which is what happens with a lot of people as well. How do you balance out or what are your, like, say, for example, time management principles or, or how do you think about, uh, you know, balancing out your corporate responsibility as well as the politics that so comes in? So, you up?
1: know, I, you have to plan every day in hours, not as in, you know, in days. Mm. So I, I know I have... I've reduced my uh, medical hours. I used to do my OPT for eight hours. I've reduced it to two hours in the morning, two hours in the evening. I still uh, generate more than uh, more revenue than I used to do when I was working eight hours. So that way, that has not affected my work. And then you have to prioritize. So today, suppose suddenly we have a like yesterday, for example, being a Sunday, uh, I, we had five political meetings, and I attended all of mm-hmm. them from 10 a.m. to uh, 7 p.m. I was out. And before that, I inaugurated a walkathon at six six thirty a.m. and then from uh, eight to nine, I was at a Indian Medical Association athletics meet where I played short put for the first time. So, uh, I mean, I one you have to have the passion for doing what you do, and that gives mm. you the energy to uh, you know put in into so much time because most people would enjoy their Sundays, and I don't remember the last time I had a, a vacant Sunday. I mean, the last three years, I don't remember a single Sunday when I did nothing but I give time to my family. So once I'm back home at seven, then I spent enough time with my children. I see that all their uh, projects, their photographs, their printouts, everything is done and spend time with the family. So you, basically you have to prioritize. If you have a schedule and you follow it thoroughly and you don't waste any time, then you'd end up doing a lot more than you thought you could do. I'm definitely doing more in my day uh, than many people do in a week. So yeah, it's Thank just you. about time management.
0: Yeah. So if I may summarize what you are saying is that one is that you have a passion for whatever that you're doing. And second, you need to prioritize what you're doing and then, then plan it out. And then, then that'll happen. Let's, let's talk about some bit about the politics. Now, the Indian politics has become a choice between a bigotry and corruption. Can we do anything about it? Is there an alternative? Is it always going to be polarized situation in the country?
1: You know, many people feel by the time they reach their 40s, they become very cynical. But I uh, retain the optimism that I had in my childhood. I honestly believe that change can happen. I believe in the inherent goodness of people. I believe that all Indians, more than 99.99% Indians are good. And they want to think for the country. And they are very patriotic. And all of us have a dream that we can improve the status of the nation. And, uh, you know, see it fly high among the committee of nations. So, that is, of course, the uh, guiding principle behind what we do. And uh, the only way to transform this country is through uh, education reforms. You have to have a revolution in healthcare and education. And that will improve the lives of all your uh, low-income groups to such an extent that we will automatically become a developed nation. And we won't need to... uh, depend on uh, uh, religious bigotry. We won't need to depend on uh, corrupt practices because with education comes a desire and the power to make a difference, to make correct choices. And I think education and healthcare, if you give them two things, most of the country will get better by itself. So yes, I do think that uh, bigotry has run its life and most of us are sick and tired of it. We don't want to uh, Accept what is happening in in the name of uh, religion in this country. 99.9% of Indians uh, want peace and harmony. We have lived peacefully for 75 years and we can continue to do so without uh, fear-mongering and hate-mongering.
0: Okay. We have heard this. Education, healthcare, and 99% of the Indians are really good. They really want India to progress so that they can progress. Now, not all of them can take up some form of a political role like like what you are doing. So as common people, what can we do in, in participating in politics just more than just voting? Most of us are just voting. But other than that, is there anything that common people can do?
1: Yes, as common people, I think first and foremost, you have to stop worrying about being political. Politics affects every aspect of your life where your taxes are spent, how your money goes, how your city is governed. It affects your daily life. So you cannot... I think uh, Indians have to stop being uh, apolitical, you know. Choose to be political. Have a point. Have an opinion. Choose to agree to support this person on one issue and support another person on another issue. But make a stance. Take a stance. I think that is the first thing that you have to do. Second thing you have to do is you must vote. I know so many people who have the loudest political opinions, but they do not have a voter card. Your opinion means nothing if you can't vote. Third, when it comes to voting day, consider it that the most important thing of that year is to go and cast your vote because the uh, middle class and the upper middle class are not taken seriously by politicians because they say, they will say long weekend and they will go. So that is why you are not taken seriously if all the people who mm-hmm. live in condominiums and who live in uh, who drive cars and everybody who has big houses they go out and vote as a duty as a priority you see how the political uh, scenario will change you see how they will talk about your middle class so and fourth and most importantly expect better from your uh, uh, representatives expect that they will do a good job and if they don't mm-hmm. do a good job ask questions we are so afraid to ask we are so afraid my husband tells me all the time that you are going to go to jail. Look, they are put, they are trying to arrest the Congress spokesperson, who is a very big shot, and you are nothing, and you are going to go to jail. Now, look, mm. Manish Sisodia has gone to jail, so you are going to go to jail. But I think we must ask mm. questions. We are not making horrible personal accusations, but you must ask. If you have 100 crore rupees, NGT fine who is responsible? Who are the people that you're going to hold accountable for this hundred crore rupees? That's my hard earned money that we are giving. So people must ask for questions and ask for accountability. We must expect better from our politicians. And if we do that, you will see the political discourse of this country will change. Ask your people because you know what politicians do. One question they think it's spam. Two questions they start worrying and three questions is public opinion. So when you keep asking questions, they will be very bothered to answer that.
0: Doctor, I hear what you are saying. You are saying, we love to ask questions. We need to ask for accountability. Again, you as a political leader, you have a certain kind of a role. You might be able to ask questions. Me as an individual, maybe even living in an apartment or a condominium, how can I ask questions? What are the avenues that I have? As an individual, as a common person, as an employee, what avenues I have to ask for questions and accountability?
1: Social media is a fabulous platform. Social media is a great equalizer. I mean, uh, Twitter. If most people, you know, Indian, less than two percent Indians use Twitter, but uh, if you use Twitter, uh, politicians take you very seriously. And I uh, am and not right speak, asking speaking to you as a political person. I am speaking to you as a common citizen. And, uh, the work I've been doing in Gurgaon in the last 10 years is primarily as a, uh, as a common citizen because right now my political party is not in power here in Gurgaon, in Haryana. And, uh, I don't think we have a great vote share as, as we speak until we have, we contest the election soon. So, uh, every time I go to the market and I see there's water logging and I see that there are mosquitoes there, you know, larvae, I take a picture. I take a geotag picture and I tag MCG and the, uh, the local MLA. And I sent it out and uh, I tagged the CMO, Haryana. And mm. every, I mean, so often I get a call from saying we are calling from CMO office and regarding a complaint and I ask them which complaint because I am complaining every three days. So, I you know, I ask them which complaint. So, they tell me, okay, this road, ka jo, the pothole that was there, we are trying, we have got it fixed. It's very good. This drain is still being resolved. So, if Twitter, I think, is a great way for common citizens to reach out to the political and of course, when you're on Twitter, you'll see that there are certain hashtags. So, there are hashtags which are trending, there are hashtags which may be for your city. For example, we were a we were a normal citizens, a group of people from various, varied uh, professions who got together and we started a movement called Aravali Bachao because the Punjab Land Preservation Act was being altered by the Haryana government in 2019. And we were just a ragtag bunch of 20-30 professionals. We got together, we were so... Annoyed that, you know, the is the existing uh, is rest, uh, 68,000 acres of land that is left is also going to be taken up by commercial. Uh, it will be opened up for commercial interest. That we got together. We started, we made placard. We made a small logo. We started standing around uh, metro stations to gain awareness. And the media took us seriously. Uh, Hindustan Times and Times of India covered it very prominently. And would you believe the Supreme Court took suo uh, motu cognizance of our protest? And uh, they uh, put a stay on the Haryana government from passing the PLPA amendment. And that was in 2019 uh, March. And till date, the Haryana government is petitioning, uh, petitioning the Supreme Court to please remove the stay and they've not been able to do it. We did not have money. We did not have political clout. We'd had nothing. We were just a bunch of concerned citizens who were bothered about it. Can politics and ethics go together? Definitely, politics and ethics can go together. But it really means how, you have to choose where you're getting your funds. So, you know, mm. you decide that you take your funds from uh, maybe crores of rupees from a single person, right? Then, of course, you're accountable to mm. that person. Then you have to give him billions of dollars worth trade to to pay back for the crores that he has spent. But the other way to do it is due to crowdfunding. And you take, say, thousand rupees from uh, 50 lakh people. You'll end up getting a few mm. crores. It'll be definitely less than maybe 100,000 crores, but you'll get 50 crores. And you can fight a good fight. You can fight a good clean election. And all you need to do is you're answerable to the people who gave you 1000 rupees. And when they see that, Humne diya, that is getting something good, my roads are getting clean, my uh, drains are getting better, mm-hmm. My uh, the schools that uh, my uh, servants' children want to go, they are getting better, my hospital is getting better, the neighborhood uh, uh, slum has a mohalla clinic. You will feel it's worth it. And the next time around, instead of thousand rupees, you'll pay five thousand rupees. Yeah, this party is doing a good Mm. work. They're doing a clean work. So it depends, you know, uh, uh, first, I'm not going to comment on what other people do. Because I genuinely think that there are two ways to uh, fight any fight. One is to try to demean the other person and try to erase their line. The second is to increase your stature and increase your line to such a level that there's simply no competition. You know, I choose the latter Absolutely. because one, it's tougher. Second, less, less people do it. It's very easy to sit around mudslinging. But if you keep working, and I'm not scared of hard work. I mean, I'm essentially a very, very hard working person, as you know, with my schedule. And uh, not everybody has the stomach for it. But I am very happy doing 18 hours, 16 hours work. And I go back to sleep without a care in the world because that gives me a great deal of satisfaction. And uh, when I do the right thing, I have a clear conscience and the only reason why I am in politics is because I want to improve the country for my children. I want to give them clean air. I want to, my dream is to see blue skies in Gurgaon. I see all of that in the Western world and I want everything, all of that. I want clean air. I want blue skies. I want clean water for my children and for the next generation. And if it takes a lot of effort, I'm happy to do it without compromising my ethics.
0: Lovely to hear that uh, Dr. Sarika and uh... I mean, hopefully when people hear this particular interview, a lot of people will get involved in politics in one form or the other. Uh, I hope so too, uh, Dr. Sarika. Okay, okay. so you, you talked about all of these things. Now going forward, let's say for example, now most of the uh, people think of career as being an engineer, lawyer, doctor, and so on and so forth. But politics is not considered as a viable career option. What can we do to change it? How can young students who are graduating think about politics as a viable career option?
1: So, you know, uh, when you talk of career, one, you should have a reasonable sense of uh, expectations. So, for example, when you do your engineering, Mm -hmm. you know, okay, you will have a decent amount of living for the rest of your life. When you become a doctor, you know that it's a very long journey. But after a certain time, you will reach a certain level of uh, uh, prosperity in your life. And that's what all parents want for their children. Now, of course, other than medicine and engineering and law and accountant, there are so many professions, you know, it more than 50 professions. There are people who are uh, um, I have radio jockeys. Uh, uh, there are lots and lots of options. You know, there's journalism, there's media, there's mass media, there's advertising, and a bunch of things over the internet that I don't even know many of them, the professions that are available. But when you think of politics, the only thing you think is that I am going to have a Fortuner or an Endeavor and I'll have 10 guards in front and 10 guards in the back. That cannot, be, that cannot be your dream. If you want to be mm-hmm. in politics, I always believe that if you can have a profession which uh, pays for your living, then it will be very good. Because if you do not have a source of income to run your house and run your family, then you will always be dependent on other people and you will be... Uh, willing to compromise a lot of your ethics because then you're dependent. You know, if you have your own source of income, any profession, whether it is a, a business that can run without you, a business, a work that you can do offline, a work that you can like, for example, I do. I manage my OPD and I still, you know, spend four hours a day on Amadi Party work. If you are able to do that, I think that's a great way to do politics. Hmm. Instead of getting politics full-time without having a source of income. Because I know there are like Arvindji quit his job as the, uh, you know, deputy commissioner of uh, income tax because his wife was earning. Mm. And Manish Sisodia did the same. But if you have the ability, if you have the bandwidth, that your spouse can fund your uh, campaign and you can, you know, continue to have a reasonable lifestyle, then it's great. There's some people who cannot do that. So, and professionals like me, it's not just not possible that you, there are certain doctors I know. Who have quit their jobs and are full time into NGOs, they're full time into uh, uh, politics. But uh, that is not my line. As far as right now, I have not reached that status. Uh, I'm trying to create a chain of clinics that will pay. Uh, you know, they will run by themselves. And when that happens, I think I would be. My dream is, of course, to work full time in politics to give you 24/7. But right now, I have not reached that position. And when my I feel that yeah, I have enough funds, and then. I will definitely love to do that. But I don't think that you can ask youngsters to just aspire to be politicians from the beginning. It's always good to have a career because politics, there's no guarantee. You Mm. may spend 10 years, 20 years in a particular party and may not become anything. Mm. Because there are a lot of other factors, you know, unlike other career options where you know, okay, if I study this many hours, I'll get 60%. If I study this many hours, I'll get 70%. If I study this many hours, I will get a gold medal, you know, or I will aspire for the gold medal like in medicine. But... Or uh, politics is not like that. There's luck, there's caste. there's uh, timing, There's uh, there are so many factors. So I, people win or lose, but your house should continue perfectly. There should be no strife at home or vulnerability because then people can utilize that to your disadvantage. That I feel is very
0: important. Thank you. Okay, so I, I get that particular point that you're talking about, but say for example, I'm interested in politics and as you rightly said you know i can run my house some some fashion or the other either my spouse is working or i can work part-time and and so on and so forth if i have to be interested in politics and i have to do something meaningful in politics what kind of subject should i study skills to acquire what kind of experience should i have if at all i have to come into politics
1: i think one you must read a lot read Mm -hmm. a lot current affairs is one thing but you must read the history You, I have read, you know, Nehru's books. I have read Bhagat Singh. I have read Mahatma Gandhi. I have read, try to read the history of India, India after independence, uh, Ramachandra Guha. There is so much to read. When you read, then you make an opinion that is completely your own. Mm. And listen to a lot. So, for example, I was in the farmers' uh, protest for two years. It lasted almost 390 days, and I was there almost every day I could spare. If I was not traveling, after my clinic, I would go there and sit one, one and a half hours. And then I heard, I listened to a lot of speeches because there were people from various communities there. There were people from various political backgrounds there. And when you hear different stories, because you cannot imagine that you alone and your life experiences alone can enrich and make you uh, eligible to be a representative of the people. You have to listen to people. You meet meet various transactions of society. So for a, for us to sit with the, you know, the, the ASHA workers, the Anganwadi workers, the ladies who earn 6,000 rupees, 10,000 rupees a month, you sit with them, you listen to their stories, you hear their life, you speak to farmers, you speak to laborers, you speak to union workers, you get a 360 degree view and which is very different from the one that you've come from. And I think, and you listen to a lot of other speeches, you hear so much about various people's journeys. And that I think is very important. Second, if you want to study, so of course, political science would be a great subject. History, civics, you should have a great knowledge about the same. You must read a lot. And I think you must invest in a, a lot of time in public speaking. Because mm-hmm. most Indians are not great public speaking. And uh, gradually over time, if, if it needs, just sit in front of the, uh, stand in front of your mirror and talk. Because for example, I've uh, been... Uh, Raised in a a family where, you know, we speak Hindi at home, but we always spoke English at school. And I used to, I still now think in English. So for me to speak fluent Hindi in in the state of Haryana, it has taken me 10 years that now I can give speeches in Hindi. Because earlier I used to always be translating. So I remember in 2014 uh, election, 2015, I used to stand when I was, we were holding placards on the road at six degree temperature. And I used to keep talking to myself and giving speeches in Hindi so that my Hindi improves because my I'm basically thinking English. So those are things that uh, gradually you work on. These are skill sets. I think you have to listen to people. You have to feel people's pain. Empathy is very important in politics. You have to think about the people that you want to govern. Like, for example, New Zealand also had a lockdown of 21 days, a very strict lockdown, but they gave 48 hours notice. They told people to go and shop and stock up Anybody who had to travel, they traveled to their vulnerable people. They had to bring their parents home. They brought it. And after 48 hours, they had a lockdown. That is sensible governance. Doing these foolish statements and gimmickry is not good governance. Because you cause so much hardship. Because you imagine that everybody has a house. You imagine that everybody is well uh, fed and well nourished. You must understand that only 6% Indians have cars. Only 33% of Indians have two-wheel motorized two two-wheeler vehicles. Only twenty two percent of Indians have houses which there's more than two rooms. And then you make policies and statements like this, which have no sense, which have no backing, which have no thought got into it. Just just shows your lack of empathy for the people you govern.
0: Okay. <clears throat> so you, you talked about reading, listening, public speaking, empathy. One of the things that you didn't say, but it was so visible in your talk is also statistics. You know your numbers about how many people have cars and houses and everything. So one of the things that probably should have is also statistics, I suppose.
1: Yeah, so when you read, you get a lot of information. Okay. Uh, Knowledge is power. Just for anything you are into, whether it is medicine or whether it is if you know the subject then you become confident of speaking in public. If you don't know what you're talking about, then you just come across as a fool.
0: Yeah. Uh, Dr. Sarika, uh, again, you know, politicians and politics, it seems like a very serious subject. So how do you as a politician, how do you have fun? How do you relax? How do you keep your temper, especially? So,
1: multiple things. Actually, you know, in politics, people are back bitching and going, speaking (laughs) against you and whatnot. And uh, some of my, the the feedback I get from people is, you know, people, you say so bad about you, they keep laughing you. And the point is that I have a very serious profession. I, people come to me in pain. They have fever, they yeah. have throat pain, they have not slept for days. They are miserable. And their child has suffered and they have not been able to sleep all night. Most people come to me in pain. I, my profession is very serious. So I have to treat them and make them feel better. I come to political meetings to have fun. This is my release because this is my passion. I'm like here because I enjoy what I'm doing. If I take Mm -hmm. them seriously and I let them affect my mood, then it's a nuisance. You know, you cannot do anything that makes you unhappy. At the end of the day, happiness is key. If the day I stop getting happiness and joy from politics, I will quit Mm -hmm. because I only have one life and I am going to live it joyfully and meaningfully and try to make a difference and help society as much as I can. But first and foremost, my duty remains to keep myself happy and healthy. If I am not doing that, I'm not going to be able to look after anybody else. I uh, have a very good fitness regime. I spend a lot of time with my children, which gives me great joy. And I think they are the ones that give me, you know, they keep me human. I uh, play badminton six days a week, morning about one one hour, one hour, 15 minutes. And uh, I sleep on time. I try to read a lot. I speak with my parents every day. I try to speak with my siblings at least thrice a week. So these are things that are very important to me. They keep Mm. me sane. They keep me happy. And uh, when I'm happy, when I'm spiritually, emotionally and uh, physically happy, wherever I go, I will spread that positive energy. People feel that sense and they get... Yesterday, I was giving a speech and someone told me, when we listen to you, you give people hope. You don't, Mm. you know, run people's hope down and say, kuch nahi ho sakta, kuch nahi ho sakta. Mm. And you're like, when we listen to you we feel happy and mm. i think that is the bottom line
0: fantastic uh, I, I can i can empathize with that particular person i i can see that you know you are very passionate and you have practiced your public speaking skill very well uh, dr sarika i am a technologist so i am i'm always interested in how technology is affecting different aspects of your life so in that aspect how is technology shaping politics is uh, technology shaping politics or politics is shaping technology? What What's your opinion on that?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, there's a huge role of social media and technology in politics now. And I mean, a friend of mine does AI and he's mm-hmm. trying to get me onto uh, that, uh, one of the platforms so that you can have, uh, to sit in, on someone's chair and, uh, you know, or speak to them. Uh, these are expensive things. So when I have the funding, I'll definitely do it. But social media per se, Uh, As you know, Facebook has got into controversy for having influencing uh, a lot of elections, especially the right-wingers have used it to to their advantage. And uh, uh, like I said, Twitter, for example, has become a platform for uh, normal citizens to reach out to the government and people take them seriously. So technology makes a big difference, but there are two parts to it. One is what you do on the ground. Uh And in politics, it's very important. There are people who just talk on Facebook and social media and then there are certain WhatsApp warriors, you know, in WhatsApp groups, there are people who are just giving their opinion. But when there's a meeting on the ground, they don't come. So for me, I don't consider them people at all, I, politicians at all. Unless you're on the ground among mm-hmm. the people, then your, politics doesn't work like that. You can yeah. reach out to your friends, you can reach out to your supporters through your social media or your WhatsApp status and whatnot. That is fine. But when it comes down to it, when you have to do a protest and you need 2000 people on the ground, you have to lead from the front. Mm. And that is very important. So there is of course a balance, but uh, technology is important. It helps in communication for sure. And certain sections of society where, for example, I can reach out to people in a colony and, you know, go and do door to door. But there are condominiums where I cannot reach out to them. But if they reach out, you reach out to them through media and social media. The media is your newsprint and your uh, interviews, etc. And then uh, social media is through your phones. And uh, most of us spend at least three to four hours on social media, right? In some form or the other. So that's the only way to reach out to people. And you have to use everything in your your, uh, armamentarium to reach out to people, the maximum number of people, so that people know at least that you exist. And that Mm. there is an opinion, there's an alternative to corruption and bigotry.
0: Thank you. Uh, Dr. Sarika, thank you for taking the time. Uh, I ask uh, three questions as a kind of a rapid fire to all my guests. And uh, from whatever you are, I believe you will give me a, a very interesting answer as well. What is the kindest thing anyone has done for you?
1: Kindest thing anyone has done to me is, does it have to be a rapid? You got to go back and think.
0: <laughs> Please give me your answer. Whatever. Uh, take your time. <laughs>
1: I think the kindest thing people have done to me is given the time. Hmm. I was, I have been through many ups and downs in life and uh, my family has stuck to me and uh, been through a lot of my depressions and handheld me through my various phases. And I think that is something that's very kind. And I'm very grateful to that because uh, whatever I am, because of what my core family has been with me and that's helped me become a better person.
0: Thank you. What's the definition of living a good life? Uh,
1: Living a good life is uh, finding purpose, finding joy, and living in today.
0: Mm. Thank you. This Gravitas Vance is about leadership and leadership quality and acquiring leadership attributes. So in that particular sense, in your opinion, what is leadership and who has exhibited it in life?
1: My life.
0: Uh, In your life, yes
1: okay so leadership is uh, not saying aise karo karo leadership is saying let's do this i mm. think that is very important my father has always been that kind of a person because he uh, as in his uh, various uh, uh, roles that he's practiced he's always led his team from the front and that mm. i think for me is true leadership is when you listen to everybody around and you uh, become a certain person that everyone wants to emulate you they, they believe that you're doing the right thing but you don't make them, anyone do what you will not do yourself. So unless if there any project that comes up for my team, first thing I do is I go and do it on the road and see how difficult it is. Then I go back and tell them, okay, this is it. This is the advantage. This is the disadvantage. Now I want all of us to do it together. So that is leadership for me. And that's very important.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Very well said, uh, Dr. Sarika. Uh, Dr. Sarika, you mentioned when I asked the question, what was the kindest thing that anybody has done for you? You said, you know, time. And I, I I, believe that. Uh, one of the other guests said, it is the generosity. Uh, so amidst all your busy schedule, you've given me time. And thank you so much for your time and uh, sharing your thoughts, Dr. Sarika. And I wish you really well for your political career as well as your doctor career. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Can I request you to share the key takeaways from our conversation? And if you like the conversation, please share the podcast with others. Have a life of Vincent.